verses 10 through 17. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus, says, for thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go. Flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus says the Lord, Your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh Lord our God, you raised up Amos and you took him from following the flock and from dressing sycamore figs and you sent him to Israel to preach a very hard word to them, but a word they needed to hear. We pray that you would take this word that has been written for us and for our benefit and for our salvation and that you would open it to us today and that you would apply it by your spirit to our hearts and to our minds and that you'd make us mindful of these gifts that you give us in your ministers of the word to us. We ask this in Christ's name and to the praise of his glory. Amen. Please be seated. You know, technically, this isn't only a worship service of Christ Church, but this is a presbytery meeting today. The commission has been gathered and Roger is to be ordained. And that's what I was thinking about when I was thinking about this sermon. And I want to ask the question, I want to put it to us, what is required of Christ's ministers? What is required of Christ's ministers? It's not just Roger who's being ordained today and the others of us who are TEs, who are teaching elders, who need to meditate on this question from time to time. Ruling elders do likewise. Ruling elders, after all, are charged by God to attend to the ministry of the word among the people of God and to oversee and to care for those who minister God's word to us. But it's not just ruling elders either. We all need to consider this question as it relates to us. And ordination and installation services are good opportunities to do so. Why so? Because we need to know what God is giving us in his ministers. 
We need to think about that. We need to consider that. Who are these servants that Christ has taken from whatever it was that they were doing in their lives, whatever it was that they had considered to do in their lives, taken from that and given to us? That they might be set apart for a very particular purpose, that is to to meet our deepest and most basic needs, especially our spiritual need, the needs that deal with our eternal happiness. Truth be told, we very often misunderstand what we truly need. Most of you have lived long enough and know yourself well enough to know that. And we do not think that we need what God knows that we need. We crave and we want all sorts of other things than the things that he has given us, things that we don't need, things that even work real spiritual harm, things that can even shipwreck us. We know the idolatry of our own hearts, I trust. We know that we are a sinful people. But here's the thing about this. We can be so sure we are right while being very, very wrong. We can be perfectly convinced that we are spiritually minded when we want these other things and that we're acting in our own best interest. Why else would we do these things if we didn't think it was to our own benefit, to our own joy, to our own happiness? And we can think that we're doing this even with the interest of others, that we're acting in their best interest, that we have their best interest at heart. All the while, we're resisting God and rejecting his gifts, even his own ministers at times. Not even recognizing those gifts as from him, much less receiving all that he is giving us in them. Roger is a man Christ has taken from whatever else he was doing and whatever else he had set his heart upon to do in his life. And he's now given to us, to our youth to be sure, but to all of us to minister the word of God, not only among us, but to us. Do we see this? Are we ready to receive this? Will we receive all that God is giving us in him? Amos was taken from dressing sycamore figs and following the flocks in Tekoa, down in Judah. And he was given to Israel, not his own people exactly. And he was given to them at a time of great spiritual need. But Israel refused to see or to understand or to receive God's gift to them. A most undeserved and gracious gift, a generous gift to them. As hard as the word was, it was what they needed to hear most of all. Jeroboam II is king of Israel, the northern kingdom, and Amaziah is his priest, serving in Bethel, one of the two worldly designated holy sites in Israel the king's sanctuary, a temple of the kingdom, as Amaziah puts it. And Amaziah, the priest, is representing the king's interests, or what he perceives to be the king's interests, at least. And by extension, what he apparently believes to be the people's interests. 
And this is the proper duty of priests, to make the interest of God's people his own, to to take the people upon his own shoulders and to bear them before God, to stand before God and to intercede on their behalf and to secure the favor of God for them when they deserve very much the opposite. And to do so by daring to interpose themselves between the living God and his sinful people. It took courage to be a faithful priest The kind of courage that we see in Moses as he throws himself down before God, interceding on behalf of his idolatrous, calf-worshipping people. The kind of courage that we see in Jesus Christ who stepped into our place, our shame, our condemnation on the cross and was crucified for us and our salvation. But Amaziah is not a faithful priest, is he? He's a sin-twisted man who acts as his own master. He's confident he knows what the kingdom needs most, and he accuses Amos, the Lord's prophet, before the king himself. Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel, he says. He reports back to Jeroboam these things, and the land is not able to bear his words, he continues. Amaziah is accusing Amos before the king of undermining their confidence in his reign. He is preaching against you, King Jeroboam, and thus he is preaching against the kingdom itself. His words are poison to the people. He will ruin Israel if he's allowed to carry on like this. Amos is is not of us. And he stands against us. The kingdom cannot endure him. This upstart from Judah cannot be tolerated. Amaziah may have been well-intentioned. It's so easy just to condemn the person who's so obviously in the wrong, isn't it? But, But do we stop and consider, do we ever put ourselves in their situation? He may have been very well-intentioned indeed. He may have actually believed Amos was a grave threat to Israel. It's not hard to imagine when you look at what Amos is preaching that he could come to that kind of a conclusion. And he proceeds with a kind of self-righteous conviction. Who is this Amos guy anyway? Some no-account drifter from Tekoa? What's he doing up here in Israel? Who does he think he is coming into the temple and the sanctuary at Bethel? We don't know this guy from anywhere. He's up here acting like he has some kind of authority, like like he's appointed himself to be a prophet to us. Get out of here, Hamaziah says. Go back to where you came from, you seer, and never again prophesy at Bethel. This is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Who gave you authority? Who's ordained you to this? Who's appointed you for this work? Whatever Amaziah's motives may have been, however much he may have seemed justified in his own eyes, he's not serving God, is he? And we see that. We know that. He was employing Satan's schemes and Satan's devices to accomplish his designs. He lied. He conspired with earthly powers. He accused and condemned. 
and he was abusing the power and dignity of his office in doing all of this. And what was it that he was doing anyway? He was opposing the saving work of God. Indeed, he was rejecting God's gracious gift to his people in the person of Amos, the prophet that God himself has raised up and given to Israel. Look, Amos brought a hard word to Israel, to be sure. We're not eager to have words like this preached to us, are we? But it was the very word they most needed to hear, the word of truth that was able to set them free, the only word able to make them wise unto salvation. It was a thing they most needed. They don't deserve Amos, this faithful minister of God's word. But here he is in their midst, appearing from out of nowhere, as it were, because God's the one who took him and sent him. The people didn't ask for him, but God has given him to them to preach just what God has told him to preach, to prophesy just the very words that God has given him to declare, to proclaim to them the word of the gospel. When you put it into the whole context of his message that they needed to hear and believe to be saved. Does all this sound familiar to us? It should, shouldn't it? Because Jesus contended with these same schemes, didn't he? From the Pharisees and the Sadducees and from the priests and from the scribes and from the Sanhedrin and even from the Roman Empire. They lied. They conspired together. They leveled false accusations. They abused the power and the dignity of their respective offices all to pursue what they imagined was their best interest and the best interest of the people, the best interest of the nation, as they drove off, cast out, and crucified the Lord of glory, thinking they were doing the right thing. They did the worst possible thing. And yet God appointed even that to their salvation and to ours. Jesus wept over Jerusalem, you remember, because they did not know the things that make for peace. And they did not recognize the time of their visitation. And he warned his disciples on the night that he was betrayed that the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Amos had come to just such an hour in his ministry to Israel. It's a hard calling. It's a hard work. And yet he did not shrink from his ministry, did he? But he was faithful all the way through, and he delivered the word that God had given him. He preached the word to Israel, God's wayward church, including that most unwelcome news of the impending judgment regarding the king himself and his apostate altars and his priests. What is required of Christ's ministers? Many things, but for one thing, they must be courageously self-denying if they are going to fulfill their ministry. To minister the totality of God's word to all of his people, they must not be concerned for themselves, but only for them and for the glory of God. To do so, 
to minister God's word faithfully, even when God's people do not like that word, even when it convicts them of their sin and they are unrepentant about it, even when it costs the minister his position, his freedom, even his head as it did John the Baptist and it has so many others, both figuratively and literally. The church of Christ needs such ministers. We at Christ Church need such ministers. The youth, our youth, need such ministers. Do we not? The city of Grand Rapids needs such ministers like this, ministers like Amos, ministers like Christ in their midst. Roger, we need you. And we need you to be this kind of minister. To be as courageous as Amos and as Christ himself. To be as selfless. Because we need faithful ministers. Why do we need faithful ministers? Because the truth be told, we are too much like Israel still in our hearts and in our minds. Still too conformed to this pattern that we see in the world around us. Too much in the grip of our own indwelling sin. Too capable of rejecting and despising God's gifts to us. Maybe quietly in our heart, maybe not with the kind of audacity we see in Amaziah, but you know your heart and you know what's in your heart and Christ knows this. He knows what's in all people. He knows what's in us. He knows this about us. He knows what we need most. And he provides for us. He's given us Andrew. He's given us Michael. And now he's giving us Roger. If we were sinless, we would not need them, would we? But God knows we need them. Even when we don't know this for ourselves. What is required of Christ's ministers? Paul's charge to Timothy is weighty and it is blunt. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in teaching. The minister preaches the word. And as he does so, that word reproves us. It rebukes us. It corrects us. It challenges us. It exhorts us. And it comforts us. And it builds us up. And it gives us fresh hope. And so on. This is how God's word is at work in us, making us wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, bringing to us all the joy and the comfort that is ours in him. The minister of Christ must resist two temptations at once to add anything to his, of his own to this word, but also not to dull or to blunt the sharpness of this two-edged sword. If you will preach and teach this word, Roger, it will penetrate and it will lay open our hearts and our minds and it will accomplish all God's saving purpose in his people. Preach this word. What is required of Christ's ministers? That they bring God's word to God's people with all patience. With all patience. Think about that. In other words, they must bring it and they must keep bringing it. 
Why? Because we need it brought, and we need it to be brought to us over and over again. Christ's ministers must be relentless in bringing it, that they never let us squirm out from under it, that they themselves are so confident in God that they can think of nothing better to do than to speak his word to us on every occasion, in every moment, at every opportunity they have. Would we be saved through faith in Christ Jesus? This is the word of life. This is the word that your faith needs and has to have. And this is precisely the gift that God himself is giving to us when he gives us faithful ministers, when he gives us men like Roger to preach this word and to bring it and to keep bringing it and to keep bringing it all the way to our graves. So what is required of Christ's ministers? A faithful minister will have the mind of Amos, which is the very mind of Christ. Look at how Amos responds to Amaziah's accusations. He claims to know nothing and to be nothing at all in and of himself. Do you see that? His one and his only defense for his actions what gives him the audacity to stand before Israel and preach this word to them, to come to Bethel and to stand in the king's sanctuary, as Amaziah says, and declare this word, what gives him that confidence, what gives him that authority? There's only one thing. He has only one ground to stand on in his ministry. The singular and decisive fact that is able to give him a spine of steel, and it is this. The Lord took me. The Lord took me. I was minding my own business in Tekoa, following the flock and dressing sycamore figs, trying to scrape a life out of my poverty. And the Lord took me. I was no prophet or son of a prophet. I had no pretension of being anything like this at all. No aspiration to king's tables or courts or temples. But the Lord took me. God made his claim upon me. A complete and total claim on me. A life upending and consuming kind of claim. He did not ask permission. He did not negotiate terms with me. No, he just took me, and he made me what I am, and he gives me to whomever he wills. And now he gives me to you, to Israel, even to Jeroboam and to Amaziah, who despise and hate him for it. Because God owns me. I belong to him, and he belongs to me. We are bound together because he claimed me for himself and he has taken me and he has given me this ministry, this charge, and I can do nothing but follow. Nothing but what he has called me to do. He took me. Brothers and sisters, friends, Roger has been taken. Taken from his native home and family in China taken from his adopted home and studies in Missouri, taken from pursuing whatever life he might have had, to be given to us for this season by God, to be poured out and used up 
in the work of the ministry of this word to us, to minister the word of God to us with all patience. Will you receive him? He is God's gift to you. Pray for him. We are a sinful people who live in a rebellious land. The work of the ministry is not easy, not among us and not at this age. Encourage him. Will you? Encourage him. He needs a spine of steel to be faithful. And the challenge to that is not in the big things usually, but in the little tiny things that make up every moment of every day in the work of the ministry. Don't forget him. Don't neglect him. Love him. Love him. Love him by embracing and enfolding Leanne and Braylon and Luke into your family, into your life, because they have been taken with him to be here as he ministers to us. For the Lord has taken them, and he is graciously giving them to us for this season, a gift we do not deserve, but a gift our hearts should be filled with gratitude to receive, that we might be saved through the ministry of God's word, of the gospel of Jesus Christ to us in season and out of season. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we do pray that you would open our hearts wide, that we might receive from you these gifts that you have graciously lavished upon us here at Christ Church. Gifts of a team of faithful ministers who we need. Keep them faithful, always and forever. Keep us faithful to be praying for them constantly with care and attention. May we receive not only the word that they preach, may we receive them. For those who receive those whom you have sent have received Christ himself. And you will not forget this, not even a cup of cold water given in Christ's honor. Open our hearts to love all of the gifts that you give us and to hate all those things that would divert and distract us from a wholehearted worship of you in Jesus Christ, your greatest of all gifts, appointed for us and our salvation. May Christ be ministered among us always and forever until Christ returns. Here at Christ Church and in all your churches throughout the world today, we ask to his name, in his name and to his glory. Amen. Let us stand together and sing a hymn of response, a song of response.